Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional grade industrial supplies. Count on real time product availability and fast delivery. Call clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Recorded live. <laughs> all, all right, all right. I just dropped some funny on, on Esther. Today is uh, Wednesday. It is uh, 8.40. Um, we, we all got cleared before we got started. She was, uh, I will also add, even though it had nothing to do with the program, she was generous enough to let me have a couple of bites to eat before we got started. God bless you. Thank you. Um, I have a new nickname, Tony Baloney. And, um, <laughs> <laughs> and we are starting session three of Happily Ever After. So uh, what I want to say, yes, well, we are. So what I want to say before we get started is that, um, you know, we, we had a couple of things to say, and you, you'll probably you know, bring it up on the call, but um, this program is designed to teach you what to do in order to make the relationship work. Uh, unfortunately, it's not a, like a dating program, so um, I just want you to know that I do have a dating program, um, but this is this program is for people that have been in, in relationships before and they're not rookies. They're not standing around saying, oh, my God, what should I do, and all of that stuff. And you're quite mature and, you know, all of that stuff. So I just want to let you know that we can have discussions about dating. Um, uh, and this, and the things you have here will, you know, help you to be more effective at dating when you, you know, do get the hookup or whatever. But I'm, I'm hearing you, and I'm like, dang, I wish I could add dating to this, and there's just, there's just room. You know what I mean? So uh, I just want to say that up front and um, – uh, but, you know, you feel free to call me offline. So I'm saying that officially on the call, too. Okay. So there you go. So now, um, how you doing? And we I'm talked great. about a few things. So, you know, feel free to drop whatever you're going to say. There's one thing in particular. I don't remember what I had said I wish you would bring up. Um, but when you get to it, I'll remember it. Oh, well, one thing was meetup groups are a possibility for experiencing mm. and um, that it would be a really good idea to make a list of about 10 things I love to do and then just put those in my life and maybe I'll meet some people along the way. Yes. Yes, absolutely. Um, and, you can, and, you know, the, the, the good thing about it is that being present to your list will help you to increase the quality of the list and add to it because you'll be like, oh, you know, I just realized that thing, you know, I could do some, some of the things that I like over there too um, because, you know, in the first session I talked about, you know, being with somebody who had the same, you know, value and vision for a relationship that you have. And so, you know, finding people that want to do the same kind of things you do is a really good idea. So, yeah, there you go. So that was one thing. Mm-hmm. Oh, another thing, another thing, another thing was um, women um, feminists. Oh, yeah. Oh yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, um, what was the saying that they said? You know, a woman, a woman needs a man like a fish needs a bicycle. <laughs> First off, that's hilarious. Second off, that's just a lie. You know, it's funny. If it wasn't a lie, then women would not be susceptible to players. 
See, because, you know, women will say that, but then in their heart of hearts, they have the relationship to all men that they have with their father to some degree or another, whether it's a good one or not. And, you know, our energy for y'all is, 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 is addictive, quite frankly. And so, um, and, and women fight more for relationships than men do. We, we fight for the sex and the attention, but, you know, if not, we'll just go back to work. You know, <laughs> we work with bees, you know, who will do that? But it's, just, it's not the same thing for women, even the ones that are, like, too independent. And because what happens is they be all independent and they be pissed off and then they go to sleep either crying, wishing they was by or hit somebody, or crying because they're pissed off that that guy wasn't good enough. And in either case, they're still going to sleep crying, you know. So my understanding of how, yep. you know, gender differences operate is, that's a bunch of crap. They can tell, tell themselves that, but if they hang around me for long, Billy's going to throw me away or they're going to wake up because so, I ain't putting up with that crap. That's some crap. And besides, for them to say that, what they're saying is the the, the, the creator was stupid for creating men, and and it created, the creator was stupid for creating them the way they created them. And I'm not buying into that either. So, <laughs> wrong. They can oh. say that, but that's, yeah, okay, I'm done. I'm done. That's okay. I'm, I'm just thinking about um, different phases of life, too. Like, I, it was important to me to raise a family and to have children. And so, you know, in my young adulthood, I had that priority. Now I have a completely different priority. But that doesn't mean that I'm any less interested in being with a man. Right. Totally got it. Okay, so um, um, let's talk about, you know, last week's session or, or otherwise known as the thing that made you go to sleep while you was thinking about it during the week. <laughs> so uh, what are you walking away with, you know, what over the course of the last week, you know, you were thinking about this, that, or the other. I know you had shared with me that you got clear that you actually do want to be in a relationship because you wasn't sure the first. Uh-huh. But but what other, anything else comes to you? Anything else, you know, uh, stood out for you? Anything else was... Um, you know, anything that comes to mind to you for you about last week's session is what I'd like to hear. Um, yeah, what what comes to mind is I want to be, I want to stand in being re- responsible for things mm-hmm. I haven't been aware of and and part of a, another person's experience. Mm-hmm. So. I, I think this stemmed from the uh, conversation about the the 3D relationship. So a, a woman is responsible, first of all, for the space between the relationship itself and then her partner and then herself, whereas mm-hmm. a man is responsible for his partner and then the relationship and then himself. Yeah. So, so you said a bonus exercise would be to go back over my relationships and see where I wasn't looking after the relationship. I think that was what it was. Was it? It was like the exercise was um, it was about looking at your relationship to see what parts you did and didn't do those type of things. Yeah, pretty much okay. like that. I, I didn't say it exactly that way, but. Yeah. And what you so, do with it? Hmm. 
And what did you come up with? Well, I didn't have that measure of clarity when I was looking at the homework, and what I came up with was a <laughs> text that I sent to you that said, I'm not doing the homework today. So, <laughs> <laughs> All right, so, what? yeah, we we could. It was an extra credit assignment. It wasn't, like, mandatory, but it was useful, you know, so. Yeah, okay, I think. I think I have enough clarity now that I can do it on my own. So let's move ahead. Okay. Okay, great. Okay, great. So um, I was I was enjoying listening to you because today's session, uh-huh. you know, you, you mentioned feelings a number of times, feeling uh-huh. how you're feeling, thinking how other people feel, which is quite appropriate because that's today's session. This is session. about managing feelings. There you go. Ta-da. Okay. <laughs> Perfect, perfect, perfect. All right, so, um, as I had said in the beginning, and I'm going to say at the beginning of each session, the type of things that get in the way of relationships, uh, the top five things are uh, not knowing yourself, number one. We covered that in session one. Number two, um, not understanding the gender differences. And it doesn't mean you need to be a master at understanding gender differences. It means you have to at least acknowledge it and recognize when it's happening, even if you're not a wizard at it. The third stage or the third issue is not managing emotions or not knowing how to manage emotions. And we're going to cover that uh, today. Uh, Next week we'll be talking about the structural and other breakdowns, type of things that uh, are physical or organizational, but or tangible in some way, shape, or form. We're going to talk about how to manage that. Number five, miscommunication. We're going to talk about that. And then uh, we'll, we'll talk about the thing that you will be doing once you know how to manage all of this stuff. And I promise you at the end it's going to seem so simple. Um, you're going to be amazed. I'll just, I'll just say that. So, so uh, today is not managing emotions. The, uh, so I'm going to cover, start off by talking about the impact of being controlled by one's emotions, your partner, and the relationship. And so um, what I mean by that is I have a saying, and it's going to be even more more um, prevalent um, than ever before, which is um, feelings are terrific servants but terrible masters. And so this session is going to talk about it, and um, you're going to find it quite uh, fascinating. So here's the deal. Uh, the impact of being controlled by one's emotions on you, your partner, and the relationship. Here's the impact. Here's some of the impact. Regret. I mean, you don't really have control over your emotions. You're going to feel regretful. Somebody's going to feel alienated. You know, the, the trust will be destroyed. Uh, you'll be having short-term actions create unwanted long-term consequences. Uh, somebody, either you, him, or, or both, will be considered unsafe in the eyes of, of the other. Uh, you'll be leaving them with a negative customer service experience, uh, and you'll be leaving your partner or them leaving you feeling un- invalidated, hurt, unloved. This is like a microscopic uh, description of the impact of not managing your emotions. Yeah, I particularly um, like the negative customer service experience. It's yes, really good. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. 
Yes. How many different ways can you have a negative customer service experience? A whole lot. Yeah, it's, it's, it's almost infinite, you know. It's, it's crazy. So, um, and it's amazing how many businesses could have terrible customer service and still be a multi-billion-dollar business, like Madison Square Garden. Like Madison Square Garden is a perfect example. It's one of the things that annoys me the most. They suck at getting, um, you know, basketball players, the quality players, and quality products, and then at the same time, they um. Uh, they treat their people bad, and they charge them through the roof. It's crazy. I don't understand it. I mean, and if the Knicks was good, I'd, I'd, I'd still hate the price, but, I mean, anyhow. I just, sorry. I, just, I got triggered for a second. My bad. I'm back. Uh, <laughs> so now I'm going to talk about some things that you may have never heard of before. I know I never heard it before I started talking about it. So, okay. So um, every relationship has a emotional environment. Yeah. So there, there's the feelings, right? There's the, uh, the, you know, the, uh, the two-dimensional relationship, the baby and uh, the business, right? We're going to talk about the baby side of the relationship. That's what we're going to talk about. Yeah. So the relationship has an emotional environment, and um, the collective feelings that occur between the people in the relationship make up the you know, relationship's emotional environment. And this occurs regardless of the type of relationship involved, whether it's work, play, romantic, family, Enemies, doesn't matter. People rarely ever pay attention to the impact of their feelings and emotions on others. Because of this, people don't know how they contribute to the quality of the relationships they find themselves in. Let me say that again. Because of this, people don't know how they contribute to the quality of the relationships they find themselves in. This also has people be at the effect of how they feel and the feelings of others as if they have no control of their feelings. You have the power to influence every relationship you find yourself in if you can merely remember that you already are contributing to whatever relationship you're already in. Oh, yeah, okay. Let me say that again. I hear that. You have the power to influence every relationship you find yourself in if you can merely remember that you already are contributing to whatever relationship you're already in. An emotional environment can be loving, violent, cynical, fun, manipulative, regretful, and policy. You actually get to say, from now on, Choose which ways you want to feel and focus on that rather than on the emotions of others. With, okay. enough intensity, with enough intensity, you'll eventually have others feeling exactly as you do. Now, that's the context for an emotional environment. So now I'm going to give you some specifics. So the person with the strongest emotions is in charge of the relationship for at least as long as they have the strongest emotions. If you've noticed, babies always dominate the space they're in. If they're happy, even the meanest thugs will start smiling for at least as long as they're in the presence of a baby. Despicable me. Born... <laughs> exactly. When a boss is angry, they dominate the space they're in, not because they're the boss, because they're the one with the strongest emotions. Their emotional strength often comes 
from the fact that there won't be consequences for being angry or whatever they're feeling precisely because they're the boss. But that's not necessarily true. Their emotional intensity dominates much more than their title and often adds to the strength of their title, kind of. So if they believe they're not going to get in trouble, they become more dominant, and it adds to their emotional strength. Okay. But it doesn't, it's not real. But they're in charge of the relationship for as long as they have the strongest emotions. Mm-hmm. Okay. If you focus on being loving, okay, wait a minute, hold on a second, maybe. So having the strongest emotions doesn't mean having the ugliest emotions, such as anger, hatred, or intolerance. It could also be uh, be uh, the coolest, most loving, or compassionate, which would explain Martin Luther King, Mahatma Gandhi, and Nelson Mandela, for example. Their emotions were stronger than the ugliest racists. And so the person in charge, the person with the strongest emotions is in charge of the relationship. If you focus on being loving, understanding, compassionate, or generous to the fullest extent possible, you'll have relationships go your way in the end. So if you, have, you ever saw this, have you ever seen this movie called um, uh, Driving Miss Daisy? Oh, I love that. That's one of my favorite movies. And um, Jessica Tandy, I know this is a recording. Jessica Tandy, Jessica Tandy was a motherfucking bitch. Oh, my God. She was, was she I really? Couldn't, I couldn't be, I, the for the role she played, Miss Daisy. Uh-huh. Oh, yeah. my God. That, I'm saying Miss Daisy, not Jessica. <laughs> you know what I mean? oh, okay. So okay. Yeah, I remember that. You know, that's the role. She was the person that played the role of Miss Daisy. Right. And right. Uh, Martin. Right. Right. It, that Miss Daisy. Oh my God. Oh, I'm like, I felt bad for Morgan Freeman the whole movie uh-huh. until the end. So when she's in in the senior citizen center, the only person she wanted to be around was Hoke. Wasn't that fabulous when he was feeding her the pie or whatever it was? Oh, man, because he his emotions were stronger than hers. Mm-hmm. But it took her 25 years to get it. Yeah. That's the power of having the strongest emotions being in a relationship. And you use that power for good. And the relationship will go your way or they will leave. You can't make nobody do what they don't want to do, but you can make sure that the environment goes the way you want it to go because you just have to have the strongest emotions in the relationship. This is this is gold, Tony. Yeah. Absolute gold. Yeah. Yeah. Great. Now, next distinction. Emotional currency. Um, oh, the way you take care of your relationship is to be responsible for the memories that exist in a relationship. Oh. Let me let me say that again. The way to take care of your relationships is to be responsible for the memories that exist in a relationship. These memories make up what are referred to as emotional currency. Yes, I want you to tell everybody that they need to do this program with me, okay? And we only halfway through. Well, we'll be halfway through at the end of this call. Okay. <laughs> I got stuff. Okay, great. Each memory brings a certain quality to relationships depending on the quality of the memory. Romantic, remember, romantic memories provide romantic emotional currency, but it can also provide intimacy, 
vulnerability, and friendship. Conversely, angry outbursts create memories of fear, invalidation, lack of respect, and even domination. Most people won't remember what you said or what you did, but they always remember how you made them feel. Yeah. Each incident creates a certain quality of feeling and either adds to or subtracts from the desired emotional state of a relationship, the emotional culture, the emotional environment of a relationship. Given this reality, it would make sense that creating great memories would be a wise thing to do. Most people know this unconsciously. They do something messed up or blow their stack and turn around and do something special for the person who they blew up on to try and make up for the emotional explosion that happened a short time ago. Unfortunately, they don't know that it's often too little, too late. Uh The time to do nice nice things was before the explosions, not after. Or even better, to replace the explosions by never having them in the first place. Yeah. With, With enough memories of lovingness, mercy, forgiveness, generosity, and other expressions of love and affinity, relationships can withstand many strongly negative incidences without a scratch and a few of the worst kind of incidences, such as infidelity or criminal activity. I'm not saying you want to be able to survive those. I'm saying that you want to be involved in them. I'm saying if you create a strong enough emotional environment, you can survive those should you choose to do so. And, you know, the other movie that I like to talk about is A Beautiful Mind. Oh, yeah. I did. For her to love that guy, in spite of the fact that he almost drowned their baby, for her to still keep him around, that is the person with the strongest emotions in the relationship. Mm -hmm, Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Right? And whatever she saw in him, she did, the relationship environment, the emotional environment of the relationship was so powerful that he was able to overcome even that with her. I don't know if I could have handled it, quite frankly. No. But that's what's possible for somebody, you know? But she was, the, I guess she was born to be able to handle that. Mm-hmm. Anyhow, mm-hmm. anyhow, that's not to say any relationship can survive those things, but with, with enough love and enough emotional currency in the relationship's emotional bank account or memory bank, relationships can withstand almost anything. One last thing. One bad incident can remove the impact of dozens of happy memories. So you yeah. don't want to have too many of those types of incidents happening in your relationships. It's like putting $1 in and taking $200 out. The emotional bank account can only take so many withdrawals. Mm-hmm. Okay, next. Happiness. You're responsible for your own happiness and self-esteem. No one can do this for you. If you put this on your partner, you're overburdening them, giving your power away, and sabotaging the relationship because you're creating poor memories and you're adding that to the emotional bank account and the emotional currency. Because they're like, that's that's not my job. I don't know how to do it. It's an inside job. So you're responsible for your own happiness. That's all I got to say about that. Now, here we go. Recognizing what triggers you. This is one of the biggest things that anybody can ever get. 
if they can understand this, I'm just going to tell you that, and then you, you, you'll see. Uh, you know, I don't even know how to describe how, how awesome it will be mastering this part. Recognizing what triggers you. Recognizing what triggers you is essential to managing the emotional environment, the emotional culture of the relationships you're involved in. Having said that, it would be wise to recognize what has you become unglued in the midst of dealing with people. Some of us get triggered by unfairness. Some of us by being accused or abandoned. Some of us hate to not be acknowledged, and some of us will fight for their freedom, even if their freedom is not really at stake. Some of us are paranoid. Some of us are critical or critical of others who are critical. (laughs) Whatever triggers you is an obstacle to being someone who can manage the emotional environment of relationships. Emotions do not manage themselves, but they can manage you. That's because, as I said before, feelings are terrific service, but terrible masters. Uh So, you know, I'm I'm sure everything I'm saying here, you know, um, is an indication of that. So now, what I have is a gift, and the gift is a list of the top negative reactions of humans top negative triggers of humans. And so I was going to read them, and you get this list. But, you know, I know you, you're probably taking notes on this one here already. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I am. <laughs> uh, no, I'm, you know, I'm feeling what you're doing, you know. All right, so top negative reactions, uh, triggers of humans, I, I'll put them in alphabetical order. Uh, this the only, you know, there's no real order to them. They stand by themselves quite strongly. Okay. <laughs> Um, I'm going to read them in order, and then I'm going to describe, the, you know, describe my definition of them. You know what? Okay. I'm going to do it all together at the same time. All right. Aggression. Aggression, how I define it as overt or, ex- or suppressed hostility, either innate or resulting from continued frustration and directed outward or against oneself. So it can be either in- internal or external aggression. But aggression is hostility. <laughs> All right, anger. Uh, a feeling of great annoyance or antagonism as the result of some real or supposed grievance like rage or wrath. You know, hostility is a feeling. Anger is more like an expression. Um, yeah, that's the main difference, I would say. I just started looking at that right way. Okay, great. Next, apathy. Oh, my God. You know, I know they say in Landmark that, you know, we're born into a world of resignation and cynicism. Uh-huh. <laughs> that, would be, that, would, that would be apathy. Absence, well, suppression of passion, emotion, or excitement. Yep. Lack of interest, lack of interest or concern for things that others find moving or exciting. Just, I just, I just don't care. <laughs> I don't even care that I don't care. That would be apathy. You know what? I think that's probably the best definition. I don't even care that I don't care. Wow. Arguing. You know, that's, that's pretty, you know, you already know what it is, but I'll just say what I wrote here anyhow. To present reasons for or against a thing, to contend in oral disagreement, dispute. I actually just probably should have a picture of Bill O'Reilly next to this here, but um, <laughs> <laughs> I went there. I know I did. You got it. All right. Uh, bullying. A person who habitually badgers or intimidates smaller or weaker people. 
Um, that would probably be the Chicago Police Department at this particular point. Um, I, I know I'm going, you know, urban. I'm going, um, um, how do I call it, uh, current events, but, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I've got feelings around that. Sorry. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> Are you aware of what's going on over there, by the way? Uh, oh, very sketchily because I try to avoid the news. Got it. So after this call is recorded, you know, we finish with this, I'm going to tell you a little bit about um, what happened because you know, I'm going to tell you exactly where they're at right this minute. You're going to be so um, – I'm just going to tell you about it because it's, it's, just, it's just too big for me to just not say nothing about it. So, all right, anyhow, next. Criticism. The act or an instance of making an unfavorable or severe judgment, comment, et cetera. Um, by the way, I'm going to share with you after I do this that I'm immune to criticism and blame. Uh, and I'll tell you That's why. Right. Okay. Yeah. And then uh, next is uh, dismay. It's the first D word, dismay, to dishearten, to be disheartened thoroughly. Yeah. Like heartbroken. Right. Um, next is uh, distance, uh, to treat coldly or in an unfriendly manner. Um, in the communication, of course, they refer to that, uh, to some degree, they refer to that as withholding, but putting the wall between people, just distancing yourself. Mm-hmm. Uh, next. Next is fear, uh, concern or anxiety, uh, then frustration, uh, to disappoint or thwart. Um, then there's impatience, which is huge. I think everybody experiences impatience at some point. Heck, I think Jesus Christ was impatient when he tore up the uh, money changers in the, in the tent. I think he was. I think he was a little impatient. Impatient, uh-huh. frustrated, or something. He was not fully uh-huh. enlightened in that moment. You know what I mean? I uh, think he was just downright angry. Yeah, you know, and probably indignant too, which is the next one. <laughs> Strong displeasure at something considered unjust, offensive, insulting, or base. Absolutely. <laughs> Righteous uh-huh. anger, right? <laughs> uh-huh. All right, next. Being outsmarted. There are people who they hate to be outsmarted. They got to get you back, you know. Allow someone to get the better of or outwit oneself. Um, then there's pessimism, uh, and then there's stubbornness. Those are the top negative emotions of humans. You could probably add some to them, but like everybody's at the effect of those. It's like crazy. It's like crazy. <laughs> it just is. And, and so the thing is, uh, which I'm going to say actually for you as an assignment, is to identify there's 15 of them. Which are the ones that you get triggered by the most? And and the reason why I want you to do that is so that you can start seeing what circumstances cause that reaction. Because it's a reaction. You know, so here's what happens around emotions. We Something happens, and then we think about it, and then we feel it, and then we do something about it. Oh. That's, that's, that's our process. Something happens, we think, we feel, and then we do. The reason why we feel something is because we're already something waiting to happen. So if I use an example of using um, your, uh, drop, dropping a glass, dropping something that's just glass-like, glass-like. All right, so you're at work. Let's say you're at the office and you type in and you hear a glass fall. You know, you'll probably turn your head and say, gee, 
one whose glass fell. You know, and if you're home and you hear that very same sound while you're in the kitchen, you're going to be thinking, damn, I hope I didn't spill nothing else on the floor or, damn, I'm going to have to buy another glass or, you know, something like that. Same uh-huh. sound, different thought. Uh-huh. And then if you're laying in bed and then you hear glass fall in the kitchen, it's a completely different thought, right? Same sound. You know, you might be looking for, oh, you wish you had a gun right that particular minute because you don't know who's <laughs> in the house. Right? <laughs> so okay. we, don't, we are already something waiting to happen. Yeah. So when something happens, it plugs into the thing that's already waiting to happen. And then you have a feeling around it. If something happens, the glass happens in my house when I'm by myself, I might not be by myself. Major danger, complete danger, oh, crap, oh, crap. But if you're at work, it's like, hey, my glass. Man, I hope whoever is, you know, hope whatever happens, you know, the person ain't too thin and too bad. Mm-hmm. So when you can recognize how you are fundamentally about a thing, you could resolve it. So let me give you an example of what I mean when I, by giving you why I have become immune to blame and, and uh, criticism. So um, I was in the TMLP, court, team two, quarter one. I think I was about a month and a half in. And I did not know about, uh, you know, my first, I think two weeks in I found that, that I was uh, the assistant course manager for the upcoming uh, communication power to create. And, you know, what's interesting is that um, I did not sign up to be the course manager accountable, but because I was the coach of the person who signed up for the course manager accountable. Oh, yeah. I was the, yes, I was the one because whatever they signed up for, I signed up for, right? So yeah. that, person, that person was annoyed with me because I told her I had known her from the World Trade Center, and uh, I never saw her have a boyfriend. So I told her I was going to help her, you know, as a coach, because she, she knew me, she liked me, you know, we had a relationship already. She was quarter four, team one, and I'm quarter one, team two, right? So I said to her at the beginning of the quarter, during the weekend, that I was going to help her, you know, get into a relationship because I never saw her and I would like for her to happen. And she made me wrong the whole quarter. Like, oh. She killed me off for saying that. And so she, she sabotaged my relationship with her as her coach, with the course, as the course manager. And so, you know, the first thing, that, like, I learned two things. Um, do, you, do you remember a course leader named uh, Judy Maloney? Well, I've heard the name. Okay. Yeah, she's a communication course leader. She's from Chicago, but she's a New Yorker. She's like straight, tall, er, ah, you know, what's up with that, right? She smacks the table. Mm-hmm. She gets a dude, yeah, things like that. Anyhow, first thing she told me was, you know, you're making her wrong for making you wrong. Yeah. It's like, I never heard that before. I wasn't trying to make her wrong, but I was making her wrong for making me wrong. Mm-hmm. Right? So, like, so I learned how to give that up. But um, on a Saturday, mid-afternoon, one of the breaks, I'm sitting in the, in the leader's office, um, course leader's office with her, uh, myself, the course manager, and then one of the, uh, the assistant course managers who later on turned into a team to a team leader. Um, but anyhow, um, Judy started asking me questions. But she wasn't asking me questions. She was demanding answers. Tony, how come you don't know this? Tony, where's this? Tony, who's coming in next? Tony, how come you don't know this? Tony, 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 Tony. And she's smacking her hand on the table, right? She's looking at me. She got this intense thing. See, and what you don't know is my unanswerable question is, what did I do wrong now? 
No. So And so I couldn't even, all I could do was be with it. I wasn't even conscious of the fact that I was being with it. I just sat there like, like I felt every ounce of her energy enter every part of my cellular body. Like it hit me at the cellular level from my toes to my hair. And I sat there, and then all of a sudden the room got quiet, like silent. It was like I was watching a, a silent movie. She was still talking. I don't know what she was saying. Her hand was still smacking the table, but I couldn't hear it. It was silent. And then another second later I had this thought. Oh, she thinks I can do it. And then I had another story about another second and a half later. Oh, she thinks I'm. She thinks I could be the Eastern Regions team two team leader. She thinks I could do this. All right, let's go. And that was it. And what I learned, it was an epiphany moment. And what I learned was two things. One, I learned that if somebody's complaining or blaming you for something, they would only do it if they think you can do it. So they're not really blaming you. They're acknowledging you in a nasty way. <laughs> because nobody gets nobody blames a, a 12-year-old autistic kid for not getting them from Phoenix to Philly because they know he can't do it. So they don't even get upset. But if they think you could do it and you don't, then they're mad at you because you're not you're not stepping into their listening. They're not even conscious of that's why they're doing it, but that's why they're doing it. So when people are blaming me, all I hear is their acknowledgement. And so I'm no longer triggered by blame. I'm I'm immune to blame. Thank God. And mm-hmm. the and the opportunity for those those emotional triggers is for you to find them so you can find out what's behind those so you could be immune to circumstances. This you know, blame this way doesn't occur as a separate and unique blame versus blame that way. Oh, yeah, they blame me for this, but I, I, I wouldn't care. But that one they blame me for, I felt bad. No, it's blame, you know, as a fundamental thing. And so I'm giving this to you so that you can look at your list when you get a chance and, um, you know, really go analyze through it. Um, and so you can see how you can find, get to the bottom of the things that you're triggered by so you can be, un, you know, be untriggerable around that. Um, so that's that. That's and then, um, yeah, Yes. You want to be untriggerable. You don't want to be like trying not to be triggered. You know, you want to be somebody that's got a rain suit on so you never get wet. Not like, mm-hmm. you know, trying to, trying to run underneath the, the you know, the canopy. No. <laughs> you, ain't, you ain't capable of getting wet. So, so that's that. And then the other thing I got out of it, I said, because I said I got two lessons out of it. The second lesson is if you could be fully with something for at least one second, at least one second, you can get an epiphany. But it's got to be like from, from the bottom of your toes to the top of your hair. Like at the cellular level, you just be with it. And it's an interesting body sensation. I, I can't even really quite describe it, but you know it when you have it. It's like every muscle of your body, every piece of your skin is like open. For at least one second, you're not thinking. Your brain is almost shut off. Like your brain is silent because you're just kind of like being with it. 
I swear, it's like God talked to you if you give him at least one full second. And I've, okay. I've seen it happen enough times for me. And, and it's, I don't know how to do it on purpose. It's still just a reaction to me. But I will, I'm, I'm more willing and open to letting it happen now. I haven't mastered it. I've seen it happen enough times for me to tell you that. One solid second or more, but at least one second, and you'll get on the other side of that silence the answer. So um, that's what I want to give you around, around these negative emotions here, these triggered reactions. All right? Mm-hmm. All right. Great. You sound, uh, yeah, you sound moved. I like it. Yeah. Yeah. What do, you think you want to, what do you think you want to say about what you heard up to this point? I want to acknowledge that this is what's been missing in a relationship, a professional relationship with my current manager who I would allow to trigger me almost daily to the point where I was looking for ways to retire early. I I can see that I've been apathetic. I've been passive-aggressive. I've been withholding. I've been avoiding. I got the way, it. Yeah, yeah, I hate the way the the professional relationship has triggered me. Got it. So well, I, can practice, uh, yeah. I can practice this at work. <laughs> awesome. <laughs> That's good. So that leaves me with uh, one of the drop. We're almost done. I only got one more piece to give you. Okay, great. And um, and then uh, you know we're we're done. This is this is awesome. So you know, and I love the fact that my sessions go quickly with you because mm-hmm. you're getting it, and I don't need to drag it out no further. I don't have to fight to get it to your brain. You know, it's awesome. So great. um, so here's one. I'm going to leave you with this. The only reason to be in a relationship is to be happy with someone who's happy with you. Hmm. The, only person we, the only person we can be happy with no matter what is the person who knows how to be happy no matter what. The problem is, if you're not a person who knows how to be happy no matter what, you won't be able to recognize whether a person, someone else, is able to be happy no matter what because they choose to be happy no matter what. So this um, exercise in triggers, managing your triggers, mm-hmm. the design, the intention is for you to know how to be happy no matter what. Yeah. And so you'll actually be able to recognize someone who's able to be happy no matter what. And not, on t- not only that, and I'm not talking about, you know, uh, you know um, Pollyanna happy. I'm talking about, like, you know, being responsible for, like, like when I say I'm immune to blame, it's not like, oh, I'm not going to let blame bother me. No, I hear their acknowledgement. That's completely different. Yeah, yeah. You know what I'm saying? I'm not Pollyanna. No, I got a very practical, very useful reason for not being triggered, and it's fun. So, um, you know, like, having that kind of clarity, that kind of power, you'll be able to recognize when other people have that kind of thing. So in the first session, I gave you the list of different principles that bring love present and that don't by um, you being present to your own principles, by you being present to your own triggers, you'll be able to see 
those qualities in other people, you'll see that's the reason why they're happy, not because they're being Pollyanna and trying to talk themselves into having a PMA, positive mental attitude. Follow? Mm-hmm. Yeah, you'll be able yeah. to see through people. Yeah. And so, um, you know, being responsible for being happy and no matter what. And, and listen, you don't have to be happy no matter what. You just have to know how to be happy no matter what. Because there's some times when, you know, it's probably appropriate to be annoyed. Uh, and I'm going to tell you a little bit about it when I get when we, when we close this recording down in a minute. Um, because when I tell you, you're going to understand. Okay. Uh, yeah, so, um, so that's all I got for today's session. Tomorrow, next week, we'll be talking about same time works for me if it works for you. It um, does. Okay, good. And um, what else about that? Um, yeah, your assignment is, a, and I'll send you the, you know, the, 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 the recap. But uh, your assignment is to recognize what triggers they are, so you can start working on being immune to them. That's the goal. I don't have any solutions for you right this minute, but you coming to some conclusions will help me to help others. I just know how to do this for myself. I don't have any like real answers around those specifics. But mm-hmm. each one of us has their own reasons for being triggered. You know, one of the things that used to annoy me was, uh, triggered me was being ignored. Mm-hmm. And then uh, I, had, I had an incident around Landmark where, um, you know, one of my favorite people just blew me out because I wouldn't let them ignore me. And then um, another person there, another one of my favorite people got me cleared and said, dude, you set yourself up. And then I realized I was making people wrong for not being like me. Because mm. I can be... I can give everybody, anybody at least 10 seconds of, like, real connectedness and real caring and leave them better than I found them, even if, even if I don't have the time. But not everybody's like that. So I was making them wrong mm-hmm. for not being me. And then when I realized that, I could, I could let them be them. It's fine. So I, I can't say I'm completely immune to that, but that took, like, 90% of it out of the space. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So, that's, so that's, the kind of, that's the kind of work that it takes to be untriggerable. That's and, uh, really great. Yeah, so. so that's it. So I'm going to end the recording, and then I'm going to spend five minutes sharing with you something that uh, is just, well, it's just so troubling that it's like, I, I, I can't. You know, okay. You know, so let me, right. uh, let me end this up here. Hold on a second. Uh, any last thoughts about, you know, this um, session? Really good stuff. I'm I'm eager to engage with it, and I'm looking forward already to next week. Awesome. All right, here we go. Join us today during the Jeep Celebration event. Right now, get 20% below MSRP for an average of 15178 under MSRP on the purchase of a 2023 Jeep Grand Cherokee Overland 4xe or Summit 4xe. Not compatible with lease offers or with any other consumer incentive offers. 15,178 average based on 20% below average MSRP from all 2023 Grand Cherokee Overland 4xE and Summit 4xE models and dealer stock. Residency restrictions apply. Take retail delivery from dealer stock by 4-1. Jeep is a registered trademark.